Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings while other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am your guest co-host for today, Carlos Cooper, with me as not as frequently now, but in the past always, Joe Hilliard. And Dave Gurney. And I'm back, baby. You sure are. Wow. Look at you nailing that intro without even uh, a second. You, th- that didn't take it, any I did preparation. It, I did it 200 times. <laughs> On the way here? No. Oh, you did? <laughs> I have In done the past, it over 200 true, yeah. times. Okay. We asked good, him good back point, for Avatar, point. Way of the Water, but there was no dice there. And I still have not seen it proudly. Ooh. Wow. Well, nor, nor shall I. That's well, probably the right call. David, <laughs> I, I, I you, did listen to your episode. David and I did watch it. It may appear on uh, today's episode of The Bammies, my favorite episode of the year. I don't know how you guys feel about it. This is when we break down 2022. We're going to give you our top five movies, our top three beers, and all kinds of other fantastic categories. But let's not delay. I see a delicious-looking something right there in front of you, Mr. Gurney. Yeah, well, uh, this is a beer that, I, as I was telling you guys before we started recording, I've been holding on to for a while. It's one of those cellar beers. Uh, this I thought is, you were out of the cellar game. I, I, I so am, but I still have a few stragglers. It's mm, a weird okay. thing. Like, there's I just feel like there's some kind of FCC thing about lying over mm, the airwaves and you're giving your false advertising. Good, good point. It's good that we're not broadcasting <laughs> and we're only podcasting. <laughs> um, but, but what this is, is a beer from Weldworks Brewing Company. Mm, it is in their like Climacteric series which I can't remember if we actually had it on the show, but I'm part of why I was knowing that this was the right choice to start the show was Carlos walked in with his glass, and it's uh, and it's actually the peach climacteric glass that, that he's holding. And this is, indeed, peach climacteric, which what? is a barrel-aged sour, um, aged with fresh peaches from Palisade, Colorado. Um, this was actually bottled in... January of 2017, folks. So th- this well, is damn. over six years old wonderful. at this point. <laughs> well, we'll find out how wonderful once we get this open and in our glass. We'll crack that open before we get started. 7.2%, start- by the way. Before we get started with the Bammies, David and I had been noodling an idea that's going to begin next week. We're going to slightly alter programming over the course of the next seven weeks. As you Seven? Kn- yeah, as you know... Uh, earlier this year, Sight and Sound magazine released their once every 10 year list of the best films ever made. And of course, that made a lot of Twitter film news because at the very top of the list was a movie that many people hadn't heard of prior. I hadn't. Uh, Gene Dealman, and that's the paraphrased title. Um, I almost I caught COVID at the beginning of the year. And so I decided to use that time to become a Criterion member, channel subscriber. Good nice. time, good, good timing. Yeah. It was great timing, and I almost watched that, but it's like three and a half hours long. It's right? very long. It, like, it's it's a long like, one. Uh, no, David, have you seen it? Yes, I okay. saw it, but probably close to twenty years ago. Sure. As a graduate student, uh, not quite twenty years ago, eighteen, nineteen. Um, but it's been that long, so I'll be revisiting that along with you. Okay. Yeah. So as long. As, so we were kind of delving into the top 10 of that sight and sound list and realized that we have done three of those movies on the podcast, Vertigo, Citizen Kane, and 2001 A Space Odyssey, which means we have not done seven of the top 10 films according to this, you know, some might say prestigious list. Yeah. So over the course of the, nev- of the next seven weeks, the second film of each episode is going to be these films. So that at the end of seven weeks, we have done all top 10 sight and sound Top 10 movies. 
Uh, Until so, 10 years from now when you have to revisit. That, so That's right. There yeah. you go. So next week, we're doing Cocaine Bear. Yeah. So of course we're pairing it with number five from the list, In the Mood for Love. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that this film has been haunting me lately. Yeah. Which one? In the mood for love? Yeah, oh, wow. I don't know what it is. I um, my friend Vanessa referenced it to me, and I hadn't seen it. And then I started getting ads for like the Criterion, or maybe like shirt, like a bootleg kind of shirt situation. And then I started seeing like more people posting about it. And maybe it has something to do with the sight and sound thing. But it wasn't like right when it was like a couple months afterwards. Yeah. And I told I told Vanessa I was like I've never seen this movie. And she's like, Well, you have to. Right. And I was like, Well, I guess I do. I, I have never seen it either. <laughs> so over the course of the next seven weeks, we will tackle from ten to one singing in the rain man with a movie camera mulholland drive beau travail in the mood for love we didn't do mulholland drive we didn't tokyo story and finally uh gene daleman and it won't be in that order we're gonna pair them up as best we can (laughs) next week cocaine bear and in the mood for love yeah, yeah, right, right, and it, it, there, no great pairing there, other than uh, it, it was what our guest wanted to to uh, to experience. So special guest Anthony, Anthony Z. Z. Okay, Anthony, Anthony Z. Z. All right, so let's get into the Bammies, guys. I couldn't be more excited. I know, right? Here we are. It's like you wait all year, and you do all this work, you do all this viewing, you do all this drinking, you say all these words, you think all these thoughts. What do you have to show for it? What I you thought- have to show for it are the Bammies, That's right. where you get to put on display what your preferences were of those things that you sampled throughout that year. I thought so many thoughts this year. Yeah, I bet you I did. had so many. I bet. About and, all and, these movies. And you shared some of them on the podcast, but many of them you had to have off mic. I mean, how does that feel to you even have it has off a, mic? It has not been that long, actually. I, I mean, I guess it kind of has. Four or five months. Yeah. It, and, and strangely enough, it was funny because, you know, Joe did a nice job kind of compiling the list of the films from 2022 that we watched for the through, show up till now right um and had the color coding where yours cut off mm-hmm. and you're right you saw a lot with us and we talked about a lot more but than I missed half. a lot too but then it gets really heavily loaded at the end of the year i was it's, just talking to kylie about this on the way or not on the way over here but just before i came over here um because i was going through the spreadsheet and looking at stuff and um and she was like oh yeah like you did miss a lot and i was like kylie i was i didn't quit until like my last episode was in October. Yeah, no, you were with like, us for and she an was all like, dang, October. that was that is most of, that is a big chunk of the year, and I was like, yeah, but November and December is where all the magic happens, as far as like in spilling over awards, into January and February. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, so I've I've missed a lot of the like awards buzz mm-hmm. stuff, but those typically don't tend to be my favorite movies anyway, and and I. I, I, I'm going favorites here, not what I think is the best. I don't know if that's how y'all do it as well. Well, well I, th- I, asked I think you that's how we've always done it. Well, I asked you a couple weeks ago, David, remind me what our criteria is. Are we going film school pointy-headed? Are these the <laughs> films that moved us the most? Or are we just like the top five films that I would want to watch again immediately? Mm-hmm. Mine's kind of a mix of all those three things. I think it, yeah, I think it has to be. I think that I think the mix of those things is what makes something worthy of the title your favorite film. Sure. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, my part of the fun for me, and, and let's let's mention, we do not know what anyone is going to say, right? No, we get you to sure surprise don't. each other. Yeah. Part of the fun, buckle for, up for me. <laughs> what I like most about this episode is, and I assume maybe the guys, the guys and girls listening, like the same kind of thing. They've listened to us all year. They've heard what we had to say. 
lately we've been telegraphing a few things, but it's me trying to guess what you guess what your lists are, the two of you. So playing that game, here's the first clues, right? This is our honorable Ooh, mentions. Honorable mentions. These are All right. not appearing in my top five, but they were damn close, and these were very painful decisions. And we didn't put a hard number on the honorable mentions. I'm going to see how many you. I'm going to do three here. You're doing three. Okay, yeah, I've got a lot. I have ten potentially. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a long episode. You do okay. it. Go where your heart leads you. Okay. Men. I loved this movie. I struggled with trying to keep it in the top five. It just slipped out. Are you going to give Savannah a trigger warning for that? Uh, I just listened to that, that after hours, by the way, because I was yeah. catching up. But, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I let her. She's, I'm a very liberal parent. I'm a very liberal she parent. She hated it. When I, oh, no, she hated the movie. Yeah. Hated. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying is because she said, because I, I listened to this in the last week, yeah. the episode where she gives her top five and uh, campaigns for our use of Letterboxd. Right. And she said, I'm going to be so mad if men is in the bammies. <laughs> I didn't First thing that happened. <laughs> now, here's a movie we saw just a few weeks ago. I think I liked it the most of the three people in the room right now. Carlos, I don't think you caught up with it. Babylon. It, I refuse. It was going to be in my top five until... I'm glad it's not. It's not an honorable mention for me, but I, I don't scoff at you including that. I, I think, you know, I said on our main review mm -hmm. that it has some really admirable things that it's trying to do. It, it takes on a lot. I don't know that it does it as well as I'd want it, but nonetheless, I'm glad it's on your it's list. It's a sloppy film, and I enjoyed the sloppiness. Yeah. And the shocker. Made it extra sloppy for you. The, uh oh, we, we're getting a shocker here? Not in my top five. Mm. RRR. Ooh, right. that is a shock. Okay, I was actually thinking we were cruising to an RRR I, I at just, number one. I just blew everyone's betting lines. Yeah, yeah. this is really messed stuff up. Gold Derby's going to be all that thrown off when, when this rep episode airs. That one's rough. Carlos, what about you? What are the movies that almost eked in there? Okay, so we're going clockwise. Uh, until. I don't know, maybe like a week ago, and I really started having to... Actually, no. Until this afternoon, mm -hmm. when I actually went and looked at that list you sent of all the movies that we watched, because the front half of the year, I felt like was pretty loaded with some good stuff that we it saw. Was. And until this afternoon, RRR was in my top five. It is not in my top five anymore. It is an honorable mention. Okay. I, but I, Two honorable mentions I, for RRR. I loved it, I loved it so much. It's so good. And... It deserves to be in the top five, but oh. there are there's a couple other things that kind of just eat it out a little bit. So I'm, I'm just going to go through it quickly. Um, not because it's a good film, but just because I'm a dork. Uh, the Lost City. Loved that movie. Had so much fun. Um, on the Count of Three. Yeah. Almost creeped into the top five on that one, too. Hus Hustle doesn't deserve to be in the top five, but I love that. I loved that movie. Black Phone also doesn't deserve to be in the top five, but I think it was still a really solid performance from Ethan Hawke and a great not great, but a good, fun movie all around. Um, this was another really tough one for me. Crimes of the Future is an honorable mention. Didn't make my top five. Mm. But good call uh, getting it in there is an honorable It has to be, because it was really good. Prey. Yeah. Killer. Ooh, yeah. Absolutely killer. Um, are you ready? Yeah. X. Sure. Did you, see, did you see Pearl? Yes. Like X over Pearl? X is, X is in my honorable mentions. I'm with you. Um, X was good. No comment on Pearl. The no no the, we'll, the menu we'll leave it there uh, the we'll, menu the menu the menu is an honorable is, is another mention. Is, okay. is another honorable mention. Really liked it, but not a top five word because because I realized that it's not like a great movie. It's just a really fun movie that yeah. I will one hundred percent watch again. Um, Top Gun Maverick because you got to give credit where credit is due. He saved cinema. 
No. <laughs> but you saw you saw the Spielberg. He saved the theater right? going. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. But, it. but I, I just I'm. You, you guys know how much I love John Carpenter, and a big part of that is because he's a practical effects guy. Yeah. And he does some amazing practical effects, and so to see practical special a f- huge blockbuster effects yeah, come yeah. back in a such a big way i watched it again two days ago it does not deserve to be nominated for best picture or any it doesn't deserve any oscar nominations i don't think i don't think it's that good of a movie but i appreciate effects it. maybe yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah that's a yeah. definitely effects, sure yeah, effects yeah, yeah. No, I, was, I was thinking about the big ones i understand effects, what effects, you're saying yeah. Um, yeah jennifer connelly leaning against a car if that's a category <laughs> this movie should win <laughs> the best Jennifer Connelly leaning against a car moment in, in film goes to uh, the only a one beautiful mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure uh, there's no cars in labyrinth. Yeah. Retroactively, um, I have two more, but I don't know. I don't know if I want to say them because yeah. I don't. You think it'll spill your beans? Fall in heart. I just don't want to give too much of my top five okay. away, and so I don't want to take certain things out of That's it. Maybe we'll come going. back around to it. Well, that, this is interesting. So I'm not going to technically count the ones that I'm overlapping with you guys on. That'll make me feel better about how many I'm going to say because. Men was also in my honorable list. Okay. I felt like that that was a film that I really did. I thought had a lot going on. The experience of seeing it, undeniable. Um, but but nonetheless, there's just some other stuff in there that I need to give credit to. It was a good year. It was. Um, I thought you, so. Carlos, you mentioned on the count of three. That was on mine because as I was looking back, that was a freaking rock really solid good. film that did some things that I've never quite seen pulled off in a film at least some in the way that, they were some things you probably shouldn't be able to pull off I, I tone wise I understand that it does, you know? and I think that it's sad that it's gotten kind of I feel like swept under the rug a little buried bit buried for sure yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't feel like a it was the moment that um, that it should have been yeah so that so I, I wanted to make sure that was in there crimes of the future as well is one of those um, as were, and I put them together, X and Pearl, yeah. uh, films oh, that both of them, them, I think, were very close to coming into my top five, but just didn't quite get there. Mm-hmm. The ones that are unique to me here that I'm going to put out as honorable mention, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yeah. It was a truly rollicking good time. Yeah. Uh, our meetup. Our meetup at, at Alamo. It was one of my funnest um, excursions to the cinema. So definitely have to put that in there. Barbarian. I think that film, it just nails a lot of things um, and does some things with the horror genre that I wasn't anticipating it would do. Uh, I'm really excited to see what... Kreger, right? Zach Kreger. I'm excited to see what comes next, and I think it's a film that's worthy of all the attention it's been getting and, and certainly for horror fans needs to be seen. Speaking of horror, nope. Yeah, I, I, Nope was a great film, and I and after we reviewed it, I went back and saw it again. It it was even better the mm-hmm. second time, and I haven't watched it on streaming, but I have a feeling I will here. It's on Peacock. I, I feel like that film may become my favorite Jordan Peele film of the three he's done so far. Okay, it's edging out. I feel like Get Out, but sure. Uh, there's that, and uh, the the last couple that I'll mention, Weird, the Al Yankovic yeah. story, uh, fun as hell, fantastic that film. Should have been in mind too, and. It may be my own internal bias against comedy that's keeping it out of my top five because mm. it is a rock solid piece of cinema that I didn't get to see on the big screen, but nonetheless laughed big laughs at at home and 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 think anybody who who has a sense of humor and a heart should see this film. And the last honorable mention I'll put out there, which really was probably the closest to my top five in terms of just getting edged out, Triangle of Sadness. Oh wow! Okay. Oh, I thought, thought it was an incredible satire, as I said on the episode. 
um, really do think it deserves a praise. I'm glad that it's in the best picture contention, yeah. even though I think it has zero chance of winning. Um, <laughs> I'm glad it's getting some attention, and I do recommend everybody I talk to who, who mentioned, hey, have you seen this? I'm like, you should see that. So, Wonderful. Yeah. Well, st- stop dicking around, David. Give us your top five film <sighs> right, of the year. Right, because I've said what stayed out in my top five, but I guess I need to start this. So starting at number five, for me, this year, and I didn't mention episode numbers on the, when I was doing my honorable mentions. I should have, but I will on this one. The film we covered in episode 225. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. <laughs> Pinocchio. Oh, wow, okay. But not Disney's Pinocchio, folks, because yeah. we also covered that in episode 225. I'm talking about Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That's interesting. It's that high up for you. Which was available on Netflix. Sure. It stuck with me. I loved that film. I thought it was, it just, it was everything I wanted it to be. The songs were funny and mm-hmm. heartwarming. The visuals were there. What it did to tweak the Pinocchio story, I was all great with. It just It's a film that I feel like over the years will only grow in my esteem, and that's why it has to be on my top five this year. Good pick. Um, horror was an exceptional year for horror this year. And uh, I'm talking about the, what you talked about, X and Pearl. I thought Scream coming back was great. Nope was definitely up there. But my favorite horror movie of the year was right in that like five, six, seven position. So I had to stop, steal my nerves, drink a nice glass of warm milk, and say, you know what? Yes, this film does deserve a Bammy. Of course, I'm talking about Zach Kreger's Barbarian uh, from episode 2012. That's my number five film of the year. Wow. Well, I just realized that I forgot to put Pinocchio in my top five. When I started making the list, I was like, "Was that?" I was be like, "Pinocchio is definitely in my top five. And then I saw all of the movies that we watched <laughs> from early in the year that I forgot about, and I was like, "Oh fuck! Wait, there's a lot of these that." Um, I just. But I'm gonna do a so co- maybe a secondary honorable mention. Uh, an honorable. We'll put it in the honorable mention as well as unbearable weight of na- uh, of massive talent. But I knew somebody would say that. That's yeah. not in my top five. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. I'm going to cop out and tie for number five. I have to. There's just okay. no way. Okay, is back, ladies. There's, <laughs> no way, there's no way that I can do it. But men. Oh, wow, good. Number five, loved it. And I, one of the things I loved the most about it was the theatrical experience of the lights coming on and people going, what the fuck was right. that? And I also loved the like beauty and serenity in just just snap of a finger into visceral violence yeah. just like really unsettling stuff something you've never seen before it was unsettling before but in like a folky kind of way like yeah. a witch kind of way or a whatever and then all of a sudden it gets like fucked up uh, and then because I think Hollywood is too obsessed with itself and what they forget about is that it's not the industry that makes these things special or that makes them special or makes the art and the artist special. It is the nature of the art itself that is so miraculous that draws us back to the theater time and time again. And this is a film that really celebrates that. And it is 3,000 Years of Longing. Wow. Okay. Wow. That one I'm shocked about. I do not remember you loving that one as much as you, yeah. it seems I like don't, you do I, right I, now. I, it, which I did it as much at first because we ta- I, I believe we talked about on the episode that when I saw it, it 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 was different than what I expected, mm-hmm. but the longer that I've thought about it, and the more it comes up, like it's actually been kind of coming to mind a lot more recently with people talking about Babylon and Fablemans and that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I get it, like, but like, it just 
the hearing people say stuff like, well, it's, you know, Spielberg's like ode to filmmaking and like the craft and Babylon, this like early era where people were figuring it out and sound was coming in. And mm-hmm. like, uh, apparently there's an actor in that movie. My buddy, a best boy is like obsessed with this like fact and like watching it play out. But there's an actor who's in Babylon as his first role. And then there's a scene in the film where he's on set, his character is on set for the first time, uh-huh. but it was also actually that his real life time, actor's yeah. first time on a set, and yeah. so both of those things are happening simultaneously, and he keeps, you know, keeps talking about it. And I do think that that's very cool and like yeah. interesting. Uh, it's not going to make me sit through the whole movie, but <laughs> three thousand years of longing is about storytelling it and is. what it means to it humanity, is. and like and the various forms and shapes that it takes. And mm-hmm. for a movie that's just two people sitting in a hotel room talking. It's really, it was really good. I liked it. Well, this is this is one of the reasons that I love the Bammies because it reminds me of these films that I, I mean, I think we actually all had some positive things to say about that one, even if none of us really declared it as a full-on success at that time. But that you have thought about it more makes me want to return to it and makes me think, okay, it's the the, the there's more there than I was maybe giving credit for. I I. Fully believe that films that get in your head and rattle around for a little while. I love that. Yeah, and I'll be I mean, talk, it, I'll be talking about what I described one. with Nope yeah. is kind of similar in that, like again, I would sure. the first time not as strong, but later more, and I feel like it'll grow. All right, all right, let's go straight into number four. No need to dilly dally. Uh, no surprise for me here that this is in my top five, but it's it's Triangle of Sadness. Okay, ah, I'm nice. currently in a Triangle of Sadness that it did not make your top five. <laughs> yeah, uh, close. But, it was close. But it's I we talked about it like recently enough. I feel, but just the 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 way it's bifurcated and like our current like hierarchical system and what makes somebody more valuable than another versus the second half when all of that kind of gets turned upside its head. But then it also has something to say about the na- like human nature itself. And it's this very Hobbesian like state of war type of thing where like no one's ever just going to like peacefully like just chill and like take, <laughs> you know, she, I mean, she is a more benevolent dictator than the ruling class that exists in the first half, obviously. Um, but it has but, her own problems. But, but well. it has yeah. her own problems. And, yeah. and she favors people. She does things yeah. that are not totally egalitarian. Right. And um, certainly displayed at the end has this like um, kind of like desperation to cling to power uh, that for someone who was on the other side of that same coin so recently you would think maybe there would be a little more empathy with, yeah. I don't know what, and so I don't know. It's just this very comp, like there's, there's a, a, a lot of the like eat the rich kind of like the menu, you know, and stuff yeah. like that, that's happening in, in cinema and in like culture and everything right now. But I just felt like this one was a particularly nuanced approach to it. And also very funny and entertaining. Like yeah. I was, I was cackling in the theater at it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I just that one really stuck with me, and I'm I'm at this point I think just like an Austin fanboy. Like I love that guy's movies. Like he's fucking. I mean, good. Force Majeure was a masterpiece. Um, I I think you're you're onto something. I mean, I'm glad it made one of our top fives. Maybe even two. We'll Maybe out. two. We'll see. Um, for me, number four, Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. Wow. Are you surprised about that one? Uh, just personally, no, no. I haven't listened to y'all's it's episode It's always yet. interesting I'm to me. I haven't seen that. What we agree on and what we disagree on. Yeah. And we disagree on the way. We did. We uh, did. And so it doesn't episode surprise me that it's... 28, folks, if, yeah. if you want to hear that disagreement. 
this Go is ahead. this is just kind of a th- like something that I was thinking about uh, when I was making this list because that is a big omission as far as what I didn't get to see. Uh-huh. Um, I caught up on a lot, but didn't catch up yeah. on that one. And I just feel like the hype is already like really kind of, I, I felt like the, the flame burned bright and then it just kind of dissipated. And I just, and I don't hear a lot of people talking it, about to it. To me, anymore. it's it, the hype that is, is irrelevant. I feel like, and, and well, I'm, I'm sure, I'm that, sure to your, to your opinion on the film. It's well, that's what I mean. Yeah. And, and I say that knowing full well that unconsciously it plays into it. I mean, you, you know, yeah. there's no way it doesn't impact it, but I really, the experience I had in the cinema, watching that film, mm-hmm. the catharsis of that, the father-daughter relationship, me feeling like I really connected with it, even though Joe spotlighted the, the daughter's performance as being one of the worst mm. um, that he had seen in a long time. Total oh, bullshit take, but Phenomenal. you know, we'll let it happen. <laughs> um, but uh, to me, it just hit so many of the right notes. And yes, it is horribly depressing in, in many ways. I think it provides a little uplift. Um, I don't know. I just, again, I think we all get obsessed with certain things. And the story of a man who kind of spirals into a kind of obsession and is unable to kind of pull himself out of it is one that I find relatable. And even if I don't experience that same particular obsession, addiction, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, th- that he does, it's one that I feel it's a very human kind of thing. Yeah. And so th- to me, that story resonated very deeply. Well, there are no wrong opinions today. I know. We're also we're also not owed an uplifting moment in film. No, not necessarily. Like. It could be just bleak. And, it could be. You it know? could be. And that's You're fine. right. That's fine. You're right. So, Carlos, I don't agree with you about 3,000 years of longing. Well, you're wrong. It's okay. I do agree with you about Triangle of Sadness. It is my number four film ah, of the year. There that. we go. Vomit done right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Vomit sure. done right. No, I, you said it so well. There's not much to, to go into. But, I mean, the, from the runway to the ship to the yeah. island and watching all everything change and shift, uh, just the two characters from mm-hmm. the um, – from the runway to the island, I'm from sorry, from the runway to the ship, but from the ship to the island, everything gets flipped, and you begin to see what value is all about, and what class systems could be, in a, you know, as opposed to what we find typically. And it's just such a funny like start to a movie. H and M, yeah. Now Balenciaga, yeah. H and M, Balenciaga. Balenciaga. Very, and it's so like, it, it like really, just like roasts the fashion industry in like such a like succinct. Yeah. It's it, it's so fat. It, it's such it, a quick thing. It roasts so accurate. Yeah, it roasts, and yet it's like you just got to kind of accept. It. I mean, of course, this is like we put these different emotions. We we attach them to brands in this way. Mm-hmm. Like a luxury brand has a different kind of emotional tenor than does the the um you know economy brand. Yeah. And the, you know, it, and it's funny to see it played out that way. So it works for the humor. It works for the criticism. It works for the just. Hey folks, this is the storytelling, the filmmaking. Were, yeah, no, it was it was a great film. You guys almost convinced me. I messed up by not putting it in my top five. Nah, uh, no. Okay, so now we're into our greatest disappointment film. This is the one where wah, the wah. expectations <laughs> outshadow, outweigh your actual experience with the I'm movie. I'm curious to see what you guys have highlighted here. I did two honorable mentions just to say it's fascinating. The whale is up there. Ah! <laughs> As disappointment for you? Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about my expectations uh-huh. being uh-huh. so yeah. high and yeah. just being ultimately let down. And so was Crimes of the Future, guys, to be honest. Ooh. Carlos, I know you mentioned yeah, it earlier. I, I remember you being a little cooler on that, yeah. But the movie trailer 
trailer for the film that I'm selecting spoke to every bit of anything I'm going to like. The stars that were in the movie, a thriller, a bunch of foodie, crazy bullshit. Oh. oh. So for me, it is episode 222. We talked about The Menu. This wow. is the most disappointing film of Get the year the for me. Get the fuck out of here. It's... I'm not going to get the garbage take. The food coming out of the kitchen may may be like just lukewarm, but these takes that Joe's making are hot. These are steaming hot takes, folks. Uh, (laughs) But what I, one thing I have discovered about that movie, because I came out of it, I loved it. Kylie loved it. Uh, A lot of the people we talked to loved it. And then I've, the longer it's been out, the more people I've met that like hate it. Yeah. And I don't really haven't met anyone that's kind of just like, yeah, it was fine. People are just like, fuck that Fair movie. Fair enough. I don't hate I really it. I watched like it again, it. actually, at home. Oh, wow. Uh, on HBO Max. And again, just the same kind of like. But it, re- but it reinforced so, that it yeah, didn't it could do have been what you so wanted. much better. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't know if it could have. Uh, most disappointing for me is, and I hope this speaks to the level of disappointment and not the other way around, because this is a film that I had already such bare expectations for. Just rock bottom expectations. <laughs> And but it it went so far below. It went them. farther than oh, I could have what ever thought. I'm, I'm can you? Uh, well, a hint is that it's one we didn't do together. Okay. I don't think. Okay. No, we didn't. All right. Did, did, did. No, no, we didn't. It's Halloween ends. That movie fucking oh, sucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, no, you weren't on that episode. I wasn't. That. No, we, but we had guest Josh Delion. So bad. Uh, yeah. So bad. In a way that I could never have imagined. Oh. It, it was it, it was, was a trash, and even for me who tries to find the silver lining there, it was a tough one. It, so it really bad. was. I, I did, but did you guys like me see a lot of reviews that said it was fantastic? That it was the twist that the franchise there needed were a to few end it. Positive, but I, I, I don't know what, what. Where did it end up on Rotten Tomatoes? Do we? Even I don't know, know but I threw all of those reviews I away. Was, I think it was leaning very negative. I mean, I'm most, not yeah. most of the. At least in like my conversations and stuff, if I heard anything that resembled positivity, it was, it was a like I like that movie. They, they really took some chances then, and I I respect that they that they went you know they really went for it. Yeah, uh, which is a shit take. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, but, my my take is a slight variation on that where I admire what they got to with the film, but I think they needed to start building towards that like two films ago. Mm-hmm. They, they you can't just jump there. In the third film yeah. of a trilogy. It's a classic um, new Star Wars trilogy situation. We're like, well, we're just going to make them. No plan. We'll figure it out. Right, right. No, you're no, not going to figure you, it if out. If you want a trilogy, you got to plan it You're as not going to figure it yeah. out. Um, well, the, the, I'm not totally shocked, but it, the, nonetheless, it, it, it surprised me a tiny bit. Um, for me, the most disappointing, because again, we're thinking about the films that really going into it, I had this kind of high expectation for and and in this case it came in significantly below that a film that we did on episode 191 when you were still with us this is Apollo 10 and a half a space age childhood which Joe that movie sucks as much as as I have some things that I like in that film like isn't good enough for Richard Linklater look Linklater rotoscope animation um, you know bringing him together with some of the people he's worked with like this should have been a out of the park success. It was bad. It, you know, 
A Scanner Darkly, Waking Life. These are two of my favorite Richard Linklater films, his two other rotoscope animation films. And to see this one and to have it just fall as flat as it did, for, or not reach the heights or even close to the heights that I wanted it to, it was a disappointment. Linklater will make up for it. I know he oh, will. I, He's going to have I, great work. I don't no, know No, you will. don't think he'll ever come back? This would have potentially been in my most disappointing, but... I've been I've been on the outs with Linklater lately. Yeah. Where'd you go, Bernadette? Well, yeah, Terrible. no. Where'd you oh, go, yeah. Bernadette? Nah. Was a little, <sighs> Jason confused. I rewatched recently, and it's not really. It doesn't have oh, the, well, now the, you're the being shine that it, that it used that it used to for me. Mm. Um, I mean, he's still so the movies he has that I think are great are like uh, School of Rock, all time classic, mm -hmm. Boyhood, a triumph of like experimentation in the medium. Yeah. You know, rewatchable, eh, but like. Ambitious and impressive, and, and we and still it, you haven't watched the before trilogy at this point. Yet, I have the right? Criterion. You have them. I own them. Okay, <laughs> I haven't watched it. Wow, but I haven't watched. All right, yeah. I mean, th there's lots in there, so I, I'm he, gonna hold out hope that he's he made a lot. Of, he's made a lot of good movies, uh, but like another director that we may talk about later, I think his time is, 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 is has passed. You know, uh, next category, the most disappointing take on this show so far. It's David's. Okay, David, <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> well. We're going to talk about the most surprising film that each of us encountered this year. And for me, that was a film that Carlos has already mentioned. Uh, it, it happened back in episode 188. It was The Lost City. Uh, this was a film that I went into with very modest to low expectations. Yeah. Uh, thinking, okay, well, it's a new release this week. We'll do it. Fine. You know, the, the Channing Tatum, whatever. <laughs> no Sandra way. Bullock, okay. <laughs> Romantic. But... I laughed my butt off. I enjoyed it. It was a fun time. I watched it again on streaming a few months later. It was a great time still. It's just a solid romantic comedy action Silly. adventure yeah. film that we don't see enough of. Like, you know, again, we on that episode, we paired it with uh, Romancing the Stone, I think was a good pairing. And there just aren't enough films in that little sort of sub-variant genre. Yeah. Yeah. Brad, I everything think, Brad Pitt does in that movie is hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Daniel and, Radcliffe. Uh, great. Yeah. 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 Right. So, you know, when a film like that comes along, it deserves the... And, and I know it got the audience reaction and it, it, it wasn't like it was ignored. But mm. still, I think this is one that deserves to be in that pantheon of like go-to romantic action comedy yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yep. My most surprising film, in the interest of not being too predictable, I'm not going to say RRR, although that's the answer. <laughs> uh, rather, I think the surprise of my choice was the complete lack of marketing, I feel, that was due to it being a straight-to-streaming release, which I think is a bad business decision because this movie could have made so much money in the theater. And I'm talking about Dan Trachtenberg's Predator prequel, Prey. Ah, yes. Uh, I sense you were going to Episode pray. 208. Uh, Female-led, 1719 pre-America, North America. It doesn't even work on paper because how will these Native Americans be able to battle the superior technology of the Predator? It, it, it shouldn't work, but it works so goddamn well. Yeah. This movie is so good. Prey. My most surprising film. Are they doing a follow-up? I hope it? so. I, I thought I heard some whispers that they were maybe going to try to it do it. It is a bit. crazy decision to not release that yeah. in theaters. Yeah. Just yeah. bonkers. I, I, I agree. I, I think agree. MC Hammer's doing the music for the next one. Oh, yeah. Nice. We have to, pray, got to just pray to make it today. Just to make it today. Yeah. Right. Most All surprising right. film, Carlos? Barbarian. Ah. Big time. Yeah. So good. Huge. Uh Huge, um, <laughs> because and I and I I talked about this a lot when it came out with I'm sure on the podcast, but with people uh, 
you know, but it just asked if I'd seen it. And it was one of those movies where I saw the trailer and I thought, this looks really fucking dumb. And just jump scares and like okay there's a creepy looking thing we get it all right that's gonna pop out of the dark every now and then whatever then i saw it and i was like oh shit this is like first of all way more than that second of all hilarious third of all like kind of creepy too you know like there's (laughs) it's got a it it had so much more to it than i it was one that had it not like gotten the buzz that it did upon release i would have totally skipped Mm -hmm. just one just full stop would have just been like yeah whatever right uh but i'm glad i went and saw it because i really really liked it and if we weren't in such a just like stupid stacked year of movies probably could have made my top five yeah it's great i i mean i think that's one of the resounding themes of this is 2022 was a great year it was for films. it was uh before we get into beers because we this that's just movies only half of what we do here uh i went back in time to look at our number one beer of last year yeah uh, after we drank all those beers in 2021, Carlos came up with Perennial Artisan Ales Abraxas. Mm. David, Still think about it. Yeah, David, you were Westbrook Brewing Company's Mexican Cake Imperial Stout. Mm-hmm. And mine was Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn Brewery Black Ops Imperial Stout. So lo and behold, I go to uh, the liquor store today and find the... Brooklyn Brewery Black Ops Barrel Aged Stout. Look at you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a rogue beer. <laughs> it's a hefty one, too. Re- revisiting a favorite from the past. But now it's barrel aged. Oh, okay. So th- this is uh, taking it up. Yeah, yeah. taking okay. it up. I'm looking for the ABV. Vamping, vamping. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. But it's 11. So yeah, it's got to be pretty high. Yeah. So now we're at the number three beer of the year. Yeah, eleven point five. That's uh, yeah. That ain't nothing, baby. Number three beer of the year. Yeah. Do I start this one? You do, and you're going to tell us how many beers we had in 2022. Well, I can definitely do that. But before I do that, I'm going to pick a beer in the um, spirit of spreading beer far and wide. The spirit of everything should be accessible to everyone all the time. And that's Eighth Wonders Rocket Fuel, a beer that has become Ah. very readily available in our market and that I think is very, very good. Um, And that is not expensive either. It's it's not a fancy limited thing. There's no barrel. There's, I mean, there's Vietnamese coffee in there, but just a really solid beer. And for it to come in at number three says a lot because we had... 128 beers from 98 breweries in five different countries. Did I get that right? That's a lot yeah. of beer. That's a lot of beer. I did not have that many. Almost. Right. Right. Yeah. You. You. You didn't get. But we, as a culture, but yes. <laughs> did your consumption go down when you got off the podcast? For a little bit. Yeah. Oh well, no. Yeah. Kind of in general. Yeah. It has. Yeah. Mine, mine too. Monday's my uh, splurge night. Yeah. Well, splurge away. Um, I'm splurging. As I'm drinking this Black Ops barrel-aged stout. Um, d- definitely splurging. For me, I'm going to go to a film that I, I... Film. A beer that we drank along with a film that Joe just said was quite disappointing to him. Um, that was the uh, Brewery Vivant's Escoffier Breta Ale, which uh, our, our esteemed guest on that episode, Harold Ramos, brought with him. Um it's a bread ale. Uh, I was just in the mood for something a little bit different. I think it was our only Brett beer that we did all year. And so for that reason alone, almost, I, I David, feel like... David, can you tell us what Brett means? What is what is that? Is that short for something? Get ready for it, Carly. 
<laughs> it it refers to the yeast being used. Uh, that that you know, Britannomyces. Oh, there it is. Is, is a particular word. strain of yeast that for many breweries is actually more of a problem that they look out for it. it they think of it as like an infection yeah. that hits the beer and it tends to sour, bring in those funky notes. Um, but as we know, many of the breweries that kind of uh, work in that kind of Belgian vein, which Brewery Vivant definitely takes some, uh, some, some, uh, uh, s- some of their stuff they, they, they take from them. Um, they did it really well it tasted great. It was it was a on an episode about complexity and flavors, and to me that just made the beer kind of sing in a way that uh, few beers do. So that that was one that I recalled fondly as I looked back sure. over the past episodes of the year. Sure. Um, in ba- in early 2022, I took a road trip to Arkansas. Oh right, yeah. And I brought us back a couple of beers, and my third favorite beer of 2022 came from that trip. It was Lost Forty Brewing's Trash Panda IPA, mm. back in episode 183. Yeah, uh, lots of haze. I remember it, it was like heavy hopping with oats and other kind of wheat adjuncts. I just wish I had another six pack now, but this beer is only sold in Arkansas. Yeah. So if you're traveling through Arkansas to the Corpus Christi, South Texas area. Pick me up some, would you? That <laughs> Trash Panda IPA. That was a good one. It was. Good call, Joe. Good Thanks. Call. Well, number three film of the year. We're moving right up the charts here. Um, so, Carlos David, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> and if you talk to me, if you try to get in touch with me, I'm going to fucking cut my finger off and I'm going to throw it ah. at your door. And what happens in The Banshees of Inishirin is that that's exactly what Brendan Gleeson's character does and does it again and does it again. Episode 230, it feels like a small drama, right? It's got that feel to the movie, but it tackles big topics. Friendship, the importance of art, the importance of the artist filling one's ambition and what costs do we do that? And all within shouting distance of a very real civil war. I saw it two or three three times I, I, I it gets, gets better with age yeah. it's a great movie The Banshees of Minas Sharon my number three I just finished watching this like an hour ago good good um, it's pretty good yeah it's pretty nice. good nice it's not in my top five I can tell Ooh, la, I la. can tell by that it wasn't in my honorable mentions though but I didn't want to say it and spoil that it wasn't in my top five yeah <laughs> it was one that I probably could have and should have included in my honorable mentions I'll, I'll tilt my hand there yeah uh, number three Pearl Ooh, all right, there. Yeah. I knew it was being held yeah, back. Yeah, I, I okay. screwed up. Good, uh, good, good. I asked. They, they're... Good pick, man. Good pick. It was between that and X, and I really went back and forth. Uh, you almost want to put them together, even though they are distinct yeah. films, and there's very distinct approaches being taken. But they really, I mean, part of the beauty of them is that they feed into each other. Yeah, yeah. and I went, so I've been thinking about the X Pearl debate for a couple weeks now and going back and forth because I do like them both. I probably like them equally but for different reasons and so I was really trying to figure out in my head like well what puts one over the other and how do I pick which one and I almost wanted to give it to X for creating the world and sparking the trilogy but then I just couldn't get past how Mia Gott's performance in Pearl fantastic because I mean X is an ensemble it's a great ensemble everyone is crushing Mm -hmm. Um, Mia Gott 
being one of them. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, even just the credit scene alone, where she's just like kind of smile crying. Oh yeah, the, the post and uh, it's the like holds credits. her so. Oh, yeah. and she just holds that face for so. I mean, long, it's a meme it's so now. unnerving. <laughs> it is, but it's so unnerving in the moment, given like the yeah. monologue she's just given a few minutes prior. Um, but I just really, really liked. And it's it's so bright, and, and I, I I like a bright horror movie technicolor. sometimes. It's, it's yeah. like a technicolor musical meets but, horror film. But just even like horror movies that predominantly happen during the day, like we don't get yeah. a lot of those. But right. like Train to Busan, yeah, is one that's like it's pretty bright. Yeah, it's like really well lit, True. middle of the day, like mm-hmm. kind of thing. And uh, except for a few key moments, but the juxtaposition of that kind of bright technicolor wizard of oz sunny idyllic kind of american rural life next to the madness of the character and the events that unfold it just barely edged out x a little bit um that's that's the choice i would have made between those but if but if we can i'll put them both together number three (laughs) well and and it's setting us up for something exciting with maxine i hope i gotta i gotta hope if if there's no, there's no way he fumbles and the bag. And wanted this to happen. I have to believe that they have the vision to yeah. make it all work. So fingers crossed. Um, well, a great number three selection. Um, like I said, those were my honorable. For me, number three, I don't know if you guys ever saw this film, but it was covered on episode 233 here um, that I recorded with three guests. And that's Women Talking. Uh, This was a film that felt very um, profound, yes, but also it it drew me in. I I was in there in that barn with these women as they were talking. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) The performances really put this thing up over the the rest of the competition in my mind in terms of what where my favorites were uh we have claire foy jesse buckley rooney mara um ben wishaw all of them kind of at the top of their games i think delivering some really powerful dialogue uh embodying some really troubled characters and uh and and it was one of my one of my favorite conversations on the podcast, to be honest. Um, it was the best episode that I wasn't on <laughs> there in you 2023. Go. There you go. No, that was such a good episode. And, and the After Hours, I said it a couple times since then. It's definitely one worth checking out, and I think you made it uh, from out behind the paywall. Yes, it's a publicly available After Hours, so anybody yeah. who'd like to hear that, uh, that was... Patreon.com slash Podcast. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, Carlos. Carlos. I haven't gotten to the after hours yet, but the episode was good. Yeah, yeah. great. Okay, so we've got a couple beers to review uh, that we opened up today. While we take, a, and then we'll take a quick break because we're just really getting started as right. the uh, countdown continues. Well, I worry that the climacteric might have just gotten sort of overwhelmed by this uh, big imperial stout that we're all drinking. <laughs> but but if we can conjure up, I, I left a little in my glass here just mm-hmm. so I could sip it, and um, I was enjoying it. I, 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 I thought really, it was incredible. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah I thought it was great. It had all the complexity that I want and that kind of farmhouse sour, you know? Yeah, peach is one of those adjuncts that can be done really great or really poorly, and this is the former. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I think, I guess this is my first time to have this brewery on the show, right? We have not done them. I think we have. I think we have, but it was a while ago, and it was a hazy, Oh, Weldworks, yes. Yes, we have done yeah. Weldworks, yeah. But this Climacteric, I guess I should say, uh, series. The series, yeah. I don't think we've First done. Of right. The Barrel Age Sour, 
was impeccable. It, you know, those can also go the, the south, but this one did not. The adjunct is well done. I, I mean, would definitely wax, buy it's this It's got a wax again. cap, Joe. What did you expect? <laughs> That's true. Oh, when you put a wax cap on it, you're guaranteeing its uh, superiority. Yes. Uh, just just for uh, the, the sake of uh, get, getting this, we had one Berliner Weiss from them back on episode 98. Uh, we had a coffee coconut stout from them on episode two, 108, sorry. And then we had a Imperial Stout Medianoche on episode 179. So we've had Weldworks, but nothing in this series, no. nothing sour barrel right. aged like this. Yeah. The Black Ops, I, I'm kind of kind of out on. Yeah, yeah, me too. I was going to ask you guys, are you getting a little diacetyl in there? A little like, bit. It's, I don't know what that means. It, it's the flavor of like the weird fake butter uh, and buttered popcorn, you know, like when you go to the movie theater and popcorn guy spins your bucket and puts that Shout out goop guy. on it. Yeah. Um, Joe, Joe tried to get him to come on the show. He's, really? he's, he's got like, you know, he does three, have a PR three layers of. Uh, yeah. No, of you stuff. had to go through Cinemark PR. And yeah. They, yeah. they laughed at us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really? I do, David. And I also am not getting a lot of barrel age on this at all. And I'm just remembering uh, how much I liked the the Black Ops, the, the yeah. regular. Yeah. And this is inferior to it. I they get shri- you with that marketing. They get you with that marketing. Well, they, they get you with sweetness. the great batch before. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It, it, yeah. It, well, that's what I'm talking about. It's okay. got like this weird kind of like it's a little too thick and a little too sweet. And and yeah, it's, it's kind of like a fake sweet. Yeah, it's ah. on. Brooklyn. Come on. Come on, Brooklyn. What are you doing? What's that guy's name? Garrett? Garrett uh, Oliver. Garrett Oliver. Yeah. Come on. I think he's still with them. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like a, you know, guru of beer and food and stuff, so he may not need them anymore. But <laughs> Our top two films of the year, our top two beers of the year, best score, best performance. So much. A lot, a lot more to come around the corner when we get back from the break. There we go. <laughs> Reunited, and it feels so good. Uh, it, it is great to have Carlos back uh, for many reasons, for many reasons. I, lo- I love his opinions on film. I, I love his, uh, his opinions on beer, and, and I just like his presence. But I especially like his presence when we're all drinking. And <laughs> it makes it more palatable. <laughs> no, no. Um, and I have a beer here for us um, from a brewery that I don't believe, geez, I should have checked before I say this, but I don't believe we've ever had on the program before. I'm fairly feel, certain that you because confident we have not. I know Carlos we have. Carlos and Joe are saying that he has not. So, um, yeah, this is from Batch <sighs> Brewing, <sighs> Batch Craft Beer and Kolaches out of Austin, Texas. Uh, I was up there just last week uh, to go see the boss, Bruce Springsteen, live in concert. And while I was up there, I took a trip. Did you see Silvio? Uh, <laughs> Little Stevie? <laughs> That's right. Hey, boss. I mean. It, 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 and I did get to see him because he was he was sick for the Dallas gig. So oh, really? I, I I, I, I've been watching I The Sopranos. Luckily so I... got to get him. Well, there you go. Um, and this is their beer that they call Thor. It is a hazy Norwegian IPA. And just so you know, folks... Thor didn't make any of our list disappointing, surprising, 
But whatever. Worst films coming up, Dan. I was going to say, there's time. What, is worst film coming up? Okay, yeah. maybe it <laughs> there's could time. show up. Well, maybe this will be a good pairing then. Um, it was almost on my most disappointing. Yeah, this is, well, yeah, Taika. Why, why, he should have been able to, and Ragnarok was gold. Okay. Um, well, this one here from Batch Brewing is their hazy Norwegian IPA. I cannot find, I guess it doesn't have ABV on it. I thought it did. Um, I'll look There's different up. rules when you sell out of the brewery. I know, right? They don't have to. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm hoping it will uh, deliver on the uh, the hazy IPA thing. So I, I see you guys. The nose is incredible. Some. Nice. Like to hear that. All right. The color is fantastic as well. Um, nice well, and opaque. Very nice. Uh, well, we're coming back. We're going to be drinking this beer, and we're going to be talking first about the most surprising brewery of the year for us. And for me, the most surprising brewery, I'm going to give a shout out to a brewery that you guys didn't actually get to try anything from. This was a beer that I oh, drank uh, when I was in Maine last summer and we were doing a couple remote episodes. And this was Shota, X-O-T-A, yeah. brewing out of Waterboro, Maine. They, they did a, you have a rice something or other. Uh, it was a red IPA. That's that, what I said. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was a rice lager from another brewery. Okay. So you, you were on the right... Um, but th these guys, I was really impressed with that red IPA that I had. It was called Red Phoenix. It was back in episode 199. Um, I had a couple other beers off mic of theirs, and I thought they were very solid. And for me, being from the area, Waterboro, very sleepy little rural town, um, would never have expected to have things coming out of a brewery there that I would have been that excited about. And lo and behold, I was. So so it was kind of an exciting discovery for me that I found this brewery where I would have never anticipated finding a brewery up in the uh, great state of Maine. But you bring so many great Maine beers back to us. I do. That one didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give some props to my in-laws who they were on a road trip and they grabbed us two beers from a brewery I'd never heard of in Nashville, Tennessee. They both kind of quit drinking in 2022, so they just literally popped into a random brew pub for pizza, but they were there and said, hey, look at these and what, what might you want? Uh, so in this episode, one does. In episode, thank you. In episode 190, we cracked them both open. Their peanut butter milk stout. Oh, yeah. And then from their dough series, the chocolate coconut vanilla truffle. Oh, yeah. And they were both great. Tailgate Brewery. Those both sound really good. They I don't distribute. No <laughs> I remember. I remember. No, you were here. You, I know. You that's like, what I'm saying. No, 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 I have no, little no. to no recollection. They don't distribute out of Tennessee. Like, because it's a brew pub. Yeah. So... We have to head to Tennessee to get more. Yeah, you can't. Zero you can't expectations and huge surprise tailgate brewery. Thank you for what you do. Very nice. My most surprising brewery is that I don't have a most surprising brewery. <laughs> well, I just, look, hear me out. Hear me out because this isn't a cop out like my number five movie of the year or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I've got a point to all of this. And it's just that I, I feel like 2019 we hit peak beer. We're putting conchas in it. We're putting donuts in there. We're putting froyo in our IPAs. I mean, how much more can we do? You know what I mean? And so at this point, for a brewery to really surprise me, it would take a lot. Yeah. Uh, David, a is, lot, a lot. You said something similar. Uh, was it in After Hours a week or two ago that craft beer seems to be lacking a lot of surprise? 
Well, I yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen the next new turn. I mean, I feel like I, I hear where Carlos is coming I from. Did too. I mean, it was what? It was around 2019 that the smoothie uh, sours became a big deal, and we, we had the pastry stouts. various pastry stouts kind of getting there. We had and, already hit peak haze. Yeah, and and I and I think you're right. Since then, there hasn't been a new wave. Now, outside and the of smoothie, the non-alcoholic. Well, sure, yeah. Now, as close to a new wave as I've and and this will come out in my second and first beers of the year, I think, oh. where I end up going, where I think the new wave is, but it's not an exciting kind of new wave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't really put any of the NA beers into consideration, which I should have, because we did have a few really good ones. That's a that's an important um, point. Joe Joe had uh, you know made that note uh, when he was compiling some of the stats there, right? 128 beers, but for us, like the first year where we've had at least eight of those were non-alcoholic at beers. Least eight, yeah. So, there, but there were there were some really good ones. There were there absolutely were. no, and I will say I don't. Did we do it on the podcast or or not? I think maybe when we had one of our guests on the Sam Adams um, hazy. I don't think we did that properly on one of our NA episodes, but I think one of our guests was drinking it along with okay. us. It really is an out of sight dynamite hazy IPA. Yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> fantastic. In fact. I'm pretty sure I gave one to Ethan when he was on an episode with us. Okay. And then when Emily came and did Women Talking, we didn't talk about it on mic, but that was the beer that I gave her for the first segment when we were talking. And she was gushing over it after and saying how great it was and how she was going to definitely have to go buy some of that for yeah. herself. Athletic also close second. I think Athletic, Athletic makes some good stuff. Yeah. I And I that fucking Alaguanitas hoppy refresher oh, is still, still, in my it's still that that's amazing. in a class unto itself i know i know but it's, but I, it's, but it's but great it's, so it's great yeah i still get it absolutely fairly regularly well we're into performances carlos and you're gonna go first here best performances okay so i want to preface this by saying that i so i didn't see amsterdam was the david o russell movie right oh uh-huh. i didn't see it either right yeah it was david o russell mm-hmm. yep so i feel like he was kind of like the first like big box office money-making director and like critically lauded kind of thing where he was making really bad movies and just banking them totally on performance. Mm. And I don't think, I don't like the subgenre of movie that's like, oh, this movie is just about watching good performances because that's not a compelling movie yeah. to me that's not yeah. enough you know like you can hire all the best actors and they're going to give you great work because they're the best actors in the world but if your movie's not interesting if it's not paced well if it's not shot well it's not good if yeah. it's not written well um so for me this movie while i do think the movie itself is great doesn't make my top five but the reason the movie is great, and this is going to contradict what I just said, is because the perform it, it it's a performance that anchors the movie. But there's so much more to the movie that I think is great than just the performance. But it's Kate Blanchett and Tar. Oh, uh, I watched, and the reason she gets it is because without it is a good movie, and it's a great idea, and it's a great premise, and it has it asks a lot of questions without spoon feeding you answers to them, in a way that I find very intriguing. 
but I there is maybe I could count on one hand how many other people could anchor that movie the way she does. You know what I mean? Because it really like huge tall order that she was uh, with something there. like that. It's not about putting together an ensemble cast of faces you recognize. Right. It's about one character and their story and the evolution of that story presenting you with these different ideas, these questions about modern life and the way that like the like culture has evolved into like viewing certain things and people mm -hmm. versus art, like all that kind of stuff that we're talking about all the time. And the idea for the film is rooted in a character, yeah, not the ensemble thing where it's like, right. oh, we're going to watch all these great forms. Like, so for something like that, where you really are asking interesting questions, heavy questions in a way where it's like, this is a great idea, but if we cast the wrong person, it flops. Yeah. And so she puts that movie on her back in a way that is just, it's, and it's not the Oscar yelly, like, I got to have some big, huge outburst of right. emotion for it to be a quote unquote, good performance. I mean, she does at the end, sure. Right. Yeah. But two hours of it, no, it, it is I, very I, understated. I, like Learning to know. play the piano as she did. Yeah. Doing, I mean, Learned like German. I, I, I agree with you. It is a performance that deserves the accolades. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And, and, you know, to be clear, I, Pearl got its recognition, uh, so I wasn't going to double up on her. Okay, Pearl. okay. Because Mia Goth's performance in Pearl is a contender for this category as well. But well, now you're spoiling, like you now you're spoiling some, some stuff for but me. I like, oh. But I like to spread the love. Every yeah. film deserves to get its, its well, due. I get you. So for me, when it came to performance, there were a few people who I really had to weigh heavily here and was thinking, like, okay, who do I want? Daniel Radcliffe came to mind. The fact that he did what he did in Lost City and what he did in Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Okay. Th that's a strong year for me. Is you know, two, Colin Farrell had a good year, too. Two Incredibles. Colin Farrell had a great year, too. Absolutely. Batman, uh, He's actually Banshees. really funny in Banshees yeah. in a weird way. I, I agree. Jesse Buckley from mm. Men and Women Talking. Yeah. I Real close. My gosh, I really was thinking like, oh, they have to... Michelle Yeoh to a certain extent because she popped so much in... And played so many different everywhere. little yeah. facets of a character. Re really felt that way. But for me, I got to give it to Mia Goth. I got I got to be true... She's electric. To, to the performances. Are you choosing a film? I, I'm saying for Max and Pearl. Okay. I mean, I'm oh, saying... Okay. I mean, she's same playing character, Pearl, right? Yeah, it's the same I mean, character. Yeah. And Maxine as well. But the, to me, that she did what she did in X, the dual role... And then extended that by doing Pearl. And Pearl, I think, even pushing her, which is weird because you have a film, X, that started this thing where she is playing two different characters of very different ages. Very different. <laughs> That's for sure. Right. With under makeup, prosthetics, and still doing it so well. But Pearl, it just, it's such a sight to behold. And, and I think, you know, um, I, I guess I'm kind of the flip from what you are here where like, Pearl probably should have been in my top five films just based on this performance, but I felt like I could acknowledge it here by giving her my best performance nod. Yeah. And so I got to give it to Mia Goth. Yeah. Well, you guys um, accidentally gave mine away. Yeah. If you had told me at the beginning of 2022 that I'd be giving this actor the Bammy, I would not have believed you. But I am giving it to the performer of the year, Colin Farrell, in Banshees of Minishir. Yeah. 
his eyebrow work alone in that movie <laughs> is worth, I think, the award here. Yeah. And you're right, Carlos. It is funny. It is yeah. sad. It is bleak. It is yeah. hopeful. And he does, I mean, he, I don't know what I would do if my best friend told me I can't be friends with you anymore and I'm offering you no explanation that really can, yeah. you can make sense of. On an island where there is nothing no, to do, and there is no internet, and there is no television, and there is it's so just that pub. It's just and your donkey. yeah, where we cannot, where we're going to go to the same place every single night and hang out together yeah. with one another, but I, we can't acknowledge one another. Yeah, and what he does with this role and the death of his animal and the loss of his sister—it's just who's great and piled well. on and piled on and piled Carrie on. Carrie Condon, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Colin Farrell is the best performance of the year, according to this guy. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, and he was great in uh, in the Batman as well. And then he was in a third film too, wasn't after he? That's Yang. what I was just looking after Yang. Yes, and also okay. the Thirteen, uh, the the Ron Howard under the cave. Thirteen Lives, which I still haven't seen, no, but, I, but I heard some positive things. Yeah, so I mean, four different performances. I think it was straight to streaming. I think uh, it was. Yeah. It was. Um, right. Yeah. So good, good choice. Good choice. Thank Joe. you. Thank you. Number Absolutely. two beer of the year. Uh, this one's a bit of a cheat because of the criteria that we hold on this category. Unlike films where we're just judging films released in 2022, we're not judging the beers released in 2022. A stout that was put into a cellar in 1985 could be on this list if we opened it in 2022. Yeah. So uh, my <laughs> yeah. number two, we finally got around to drinking a beer that's been amazing forever. I had had a muled variant of this beer from a growler 10 years ago. That was my first time to drink it. Then I got to drink it on tap eight years ago when Aislinn and I went through a legendary PCH brewery tour in California. We drank it out they of They still the, talk about it on PCH. the coast. At their uh, Pacific, Pacific Coast, coast Highway, Highway uh, which you can't drive any longer because of mudslide since. Uh, we drank it in their San Diego tap room. Of course, I'm talking about the goat L. Smith Brewing Speedway. Uh, it's received accolades for years. We just finally I, got around to I it. I saw so that and it on was my up on two. mine, but it didn't make my time through. But it's a very Episode good Episode 179. Nice. Well, mine was, um, mine was from a brewery that when I saw it on the shelf here in our hometown, I thought to myself, we've made it. <laughs> we are classy. We are sophisticated. Ooh. We are highbrow beer people now that we can just walk into some place <laughs> and fucking buy this beer and it's the three fontanen uh old goose oh old the old goose. i don't know how to yeah. say it. i'm not even gonna pretend to know how to say it but oh that absolutely. was when we did it on the show was my first foray into it i'd seen the photos and heard the lore mm -hmm. um but getting to Go locally, pick it up off the shelf, bring it to the podcast, and pop it open was was nice. And yeah, I we made it. That beer. Beautiful. It's like we made it. <laughs> well, for me, my second beer, this, this might come as a shock, Mass Landing Brewing Company's beachfront property it's not a shock at all <laughs> no that was a great beer this i remember is, it um it, it's a pilsner um and, and for me that is where my palate has trended these days yeah. i was saying like do we have a new wave of craft beer i feel like it's a return to some of the simpler more uh but but elegantly executed yeah. simpler no styles that's right it's just give me a nice clean crisp uh, Pilsner with a with a nice little bite on the back end. That to me 
is where I want beer nowadays. The, the, where, predominantly. Now, I still enjoy getting the hefty dessert stout. I still enjoy getting, you know, something crazy with some kind of fruit addition that I wasn't anticipating. But the bottom line is when I'm drinking beer and I'm especially when I'm spending time with friends talking about movies, music, you know, whatever, I want to have something that I can sort of enjoy without it clobbering my palate and, and making me have to like go kind of, you know, super slow sipping. And it's like something that I can really just enjoy. So I've been a high life man as of late. Yeah. I've, been, I've been in my high life era. Wow. It's It's fucking good, man. It has not, its time. Not, it's it has good. its time and place. I, I'm not making fun. It was yeah. just funny to me that that was the... Um, the segue. <laughs> Just like you well, want to sip the, one of the best pilsners you've ever had. I'm enjoying the high. High hey. life is good for what it is. <laughs> Repeat the name of your beer, David. For my it's it's Mass Landing yeah. Brewing Company's beachfront beachfront property. And also, I think it was just the time of year, summer, thinking about the you know like those easy sippers. It's it it, it fit that category. Wonderful. All right. Um, well, we're moving into our number two. Films of the year. This is going to tell us so much. I think so. starting with this. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm excited because I, this tells me David's number one. I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised that this film hasn't shown up on anybody's mentions yet. I don't even know if you've seen it, actually, Carlos. Okay. Joe, I do know you have seen it. All right. Is it all quiet on the Western Front? It is After Sun. Oh, I haven't seen it. Um, I'm going to be quiet. The, the, <laughs> this was a film that you know came late, episode two thirty two for us. So just what, three episodes back. Yeah. Um, it wasn't available here for the longest time. Finally came on to streaming. We were able to watch it. Charlotte Wells, um, as a filmmaker, at least this is her first feature, to make something like this, this touching, this deep, this thoughtful, this profound, it's almost, it should be illegal. How can you do that <laughs> out of the gate? I mean, she needs to be locked up. But... Actually, let's keep her out in the wild so that she can keep making these films because her working with Paul Mescal, um, and, I, and I'm going to forget, do you remember the actress's name? I the don't, young actress? David, I don't. I, this, the father-daughter relationship there was beautiful. The ways that um, Mescal sort of put forward the kind of mental anguish that his character was experiencing without being on the nose about it at all, at all being very much just yeah. under the surface, but you could feel it. It's an amazing performance. He probably deserves some kind of mention in that best performance category as well. I'm glad that he got the nod for the Oscar. Um, and this is a film that I feel like is one of those that for Mescal, for Wells, for that young actress, is going to be one that we point back to and say, look, that's where they started. Because I think all of these people are going to go on and do some great stuff. And this film itself is great. So the, the, After Sun, unequivocally, everybody needs to see this movie. There's a smallness to it, but there's a bigness to yeah. that film. It explores a lot of... Uh, it, goes, it goes very, very deep in yeah. a very, very... Experimental way, almost. yeah. Well, the framing, the like through the through the video capture stuff and the watch, but yeah, the, it, it's there's a lot going on there for a film that feels very modest. Well, this tells us David's number one, but <laughs> I I was I was ta oh. I was talking I was talking to a friend of mine about Paul Mescal because I didn't really know I had heard his name in relation to his uh, fling with Phoebe Bridgers. But uh, they were, oh, I didn't know they were a thing because Martin McDonough is, is with her now. 
Yeah, they're not a thing anymore. Oh, wait, um, no. We're talking about Phoebe Bridgers. Not, not Phoebe, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Waller Bridge. Yeah, Phoebe, <laughs> I, I was like, I Mar- I was like Martin McDonough. did that. I was like, Martin McDonough. No, that's Martin McDonough. No, who, big age gap. He was, I didn't know Mescal was Mescal and Phoebe Bridgers, uh, Phoebe Bridgers dated oh, for a little while, okay. and it was that, like a big that's thing. That's more age appropriate. Um, but I didn't know who he was, and then he got nominated for this Oscar, and my friend Vanessa is like all about him, like love like how great he is whatever that he's the next it girl and all this kind of stuff and i finally googled him and looked at a picture of him and i was like this guy when i look at his face gives me the same feeling as when i look at army hammer and it's oh and no it's, now hold on let me let me let me finish let me finish i don't think i don't think he's a cannibal or anything like that but when i for i still to this day if you put Army Hammer in a lineup, I could not pick him out because when really? I because the memory of his face goes away so quickly into the just generic white guy folder of my brain that I like just like yeah he just looks like a normal white well, guy. Well, that's I fair. Can't what, but see out, what you know? see one of his performances. Well, I know. So that so like I told I told my friend Vanessa, then she was so mad at me and was just like, look, he was in one show, Emmy nom, one movie, Oscar nom, like. The kids got something, I ha- and, and so I haven't watched the show, but I need to. I've, I've and, heard it's yeah. good. I haven't watched either, and so I was like, "Man, I need to catch after Sun." But uh, I just I prioritized in a certain way, yeah. and it did not make it into okay my yeah, viewing before this. I'll get there. Yeah. Well, see, now the pressure is off of us. It's, when are they going to come on streaming? When are they going to be available? Yeah, yeah. Now the rest of these films from a long, long list of the stuff that we considered trying to do before the Bammies. As they become free on different services that we subscribe to, I'll be able to just watch them with no pressure. I know. I th- we should almost have another category of those films that we like EO, for instance, e, which is literally EO, and it's about a donkey. Yeah. I've been wanting to see that yeah. thing. It has not been available here. It's not on streaming services. Well, I'm just going to have to wait didn't some it just, months. Didn't it just hit streaming? Oh, we did did this, it? We did this last so. year, and it's... Um, we call it the leftovers episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we might have to do one of those. I love it. Okay. So we talked to. about films that get in your head and rattle around. My number two film kind of consumed my life for a couple of weeks. Uh, it still is rattling around in there. And if the criteria for our top five was the pointy-headed, well-executed, just filmmaking, mm-hmm. this is the spot for it right here. Uh, it's Todd Field's Tar. Uh, mm. even the I mean, con- it's really good. Even the controversy about it after the fact kind of, I think, Which lends was? itself to its power. What was the controversy? Oh, it's a couple of different things. The one that's leaping to mind is uh, one of the... Uh, there's a female... Is that the right word? Call it? Uh, <laughs> conductor that is referenced in the film, but she was not given a heads up that she was going to be referenced in the film. And she was very critical of how, why are you making a movie about a villain in conducting that is female when we are so underrepresented within the field? And I'll be honest, I think my esteem for this film shrunk a bit after my conversation or the, the conversation I was privy to with uh, our guest on the Women Talking episode yeah, I heard. because yeah. Tar came up and Pam, one of our guests then, I think had a, had a great point to make about how, look, you know, it's kind of ridiculous that, you know, even if we want to probe these questions, right, about like 
people abusing power and blah, blah, blah. Why are we having it be this female figure who's doing that in this big celebrated film? Because it would be so easily written off if, if it was a man. I the agree. Question, I the mean, questions there's, that it's again, asking there's, wouldn't linger. There are the trade-offs that, that are made. Uh, but Maleficent, it does... Maleficent was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It's, it's okay if we write characters that go against what the world is. Well, and also that she had to break and become hysterical at the end and, and make that attack on the conductor, I think. That, which is, that's fair. And, and I, that one did, like... Her criticism there actually did shift my thinking about the film a bit. I'm just putting that out. I heard the no, criticism I, and I enjoyed I, the conversation, yeah. but it's, yeah. it's shifting nothing for me. Although I can't wait to be at a table with Pam in a future episode because she was just great. On the women she, she's kind of intimidating when it comes to, I mean, I, which I think she worked really well and everything, but she's just, she's a very brilliant uh, woman who, sure. who has lots of great, Great well, perspectives. So, As uh, Kaylee and Emily, I mean, it was of an esteem. So it was Lydia Tar, but uh, you can't <laughs> act that way for too, too long. Uh, number right. two for me, Tar. Okay. Well, we're on to score, Carlos. No, no, I got to do my number two. Film. Bro. Oh, sorry. Um, you say bros? I, I didn't I see I bros. Jumped. No, I said bro. He, he said bro. Uh, bro singular. Uh, I, I'm really, I'm really sitting with this. This is my first that I've heard any of the like um, pushback on Tar. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's kind of fogging my brain a little bit right now. Um, my number two, realistically, should probably be number one, but I still have yet to have an uninterrupted viewing of it. But I think it's one of the most exciting original imaginative studio 666 just top gun maverick powerhouse movies that came out this year that everybody was talking about to the, to the point where it was so lauded that it then started to get hate on the back end of that uh, because people were just like ah, whatever but it's everything everywhere all at once uh, all right all right it's <laughs> it finally made an appearance. I, well, I mentioned Yo, so that that was, it, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, it was going to be in the top five. I mean, come on, it was going to okay. be in the top five somewhere. But you know, the first time I saw, we talked about this when we did the episode. But the first time I saw it, if anyone didn't doesn't remember, I had just finished like a twelve hour shift and That's thought right. that I was going thought that I was going to make it through a nine thirty screening like a fucking dumbass, which we mm. all know that I'm not going to do. But <laughs> turns out I only nodded off for maybe five or ten minutes tops, but that movie moves at such a clip yeah. that it's like you as long happen. as you didn't miss the butt plug scene. I did it. So I woke up. To that, a buck plug is going to wake you up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the second time that I saw it, the part, th the part that I think is the most like gut punching. Well, there's two different like really gut punching emotional moments in it, but one of that is the like silence of the rocks talking to each other. Oh, and when beautiful. I saw it the second time, I had a guy translating the subtitles to his daughter who was not of reading age. Oh, or, that's like, right. Or like yeah, yeah, fluent yeah. reading age yep, yet. Yep. And so I'm just listening to this motherfucker talk the whole time. And the thing that makes <laughs> that scene so is powerful is that it goes from this like yeah. crazy action movie to right. just dead silence. Yes. And I, I said it then and I'll say it now. The only thing that doesn't make me hate that man is because when the fake credits rolled in the middle of the movie the girl five maybe six year old girl that was there that was being read to the whole time was like is it over already and i was like ah we've got a a future cinephile on our hands <laughs> the, fact, the fact that like someone of that age would be so like caught up mm. in a movie like as that she petty wants as it that, to keep going yeah. that she was disappointed and ended so Aww. soon i was like okay okay i can't be mad at you now but beautiful. i was pretty mad beautiful. for a while <laughs> but 
on the same side of that, like I I adapted to it so quickly, like I was able to tune them out. But that's when people are talking, there's sound, there's score, there's all that kind of stuff. And that, your ability to adapt to something like that goes entirely away whenever uh, dead silence hits. You know, so what are you gonna do? Um, But yeah, that was, that's my number two, fantastic movie. Uh, Can't wait to watch it again. It's been a little while for me. So we're moving on to best score. We're moving on to best score. Well, I couldn't be more happy of the beer that we're drinking right now because best score for me is The Northman. Oh, another okay. go, go Norwegian. Another right. movie that I think probably should be in the top five. It was. Hmm. Uh, I just thought it was so great, and mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't understand. Box office failure. No, I understand that. Yeah, I don't understand. The I mean, because look, Babylon, huge fucking steaming turd as far as the box office goes mm-hmm. as far as the box office goes unfathomably expensive and made virtually zero money right mm-hmm. on the same side of that northman not as expensive i think made more money uh, i could be wrong about I that i think it might have um totally overshadowed you're not gonna give this fucking movie best cinematography are you out of your fucking mind yeah. you're not gonna give it best score you're not gonna give it fucking hair and makeup like what the fuck is wrong with you people like that movie was so good yes it wasn't gladiator or the big viking action epic that it was marketed to be and i think it's a really great case study in marketing versus just so you know delivered but the the babylon box office 56.4 million was 69.9 so the the, very close to 56 million dollars yes dang that's more than but 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 northman did eclipse it and with how with close to 70 but the budget on northman versus babylon, oh i don't know i didn't it's got to be budgets. i'm just huge, looking at what they made be a huge at the domestic box office because babylon yeah. was hundreds of millions you're probably right yeah. northman certainly was not plural like several hundreds yeah, of yeah, millions yeah, maybe a yeah. hundred but probably not mm. um anyway i thought it was such a great movie and probably should have been in my top five but it's getting it's time in the sun with best score because the score is fantastic. Everything about that movie is so dedicated to accurate accuracy historically, and the score is no exception to that. They they were kind of in the same realm budget wise, like seventy to eighty million. I thought Babylon was more than that. No, it wasn't. Hmm. I think those actors get, took lower paydays to work with. On the, they were hoping for the back end. That, that might be. <laughs> um, well, that's that's an interesting choice, and I think a very good one. And I'm glad that that film came up because it certainly deserves some some recognition, even if I don't put it up there in the upper pantheon. Um, for me, best score of the year. I'm actually I'm kind of doing a little trick here because there was a composer who I think did two great scores uh, that I was very impressed by, and that I just felt deserved recognition, and that's Hildur. Guan Dottir, who did both the score for Tar and the score for Women Talking. And as a sort of contemporary Icelandic composer, um, I just think the scores for both those films were wonderful. They were unique in their own ways. Uh, she's done other Joker? films. She did Joker. Okay, That's yeah. right. So the, so even, a well, that was two years ago. So, yeah. the, I mean, but... There's lots of great scores. She won for Joker. In Oscar, her. Right? I think she might I have. She yeah, won. you're right. So, uh, you know, th- this this is just kind of, 
a person who I want to put on a little pedestal and say, look, she's very good. The work that she's doing is very impactful and worked for two very different kinds of films and films that actually even maybe kind of go at counter purposes, at least based on Pam's uh, critical reading of them. So the tar and women talking scores. That's awesome. This is always the hardest category because when I'm in a film, for whatever reason, I don't take the score away with me. I have to go back and research it. Yeah. So it's a fun category to do because for the last few weeks, I'm just listening to scores when yeah. I'm on my Alexa, on my, you know, I mean, like when I'm cooking, it's like mm-hmm. just play the score to everything everywhere all at once. No, no, no. Fast forward. <laughs> um, Narrowly missing the mark for me was Colin Stetson's score for The Menu. It was really, really good. Love Stetson. And then Robin Carolyn and Sebastian Gainsborough, a.k.a. Vessel, they did the score for The Northman. Yeah. I mean, narrowly missing it. You're right, Carlos. It's very good. It's a very, very good call. But I landed on Michael Abel's score for Nope. Uh, Um, I like him. Yeah. there are so many nods clearly to like Bernstein and John Williams for like for horror notes. But then also there's definitely like a, um, Oh God, I'm going to, uh, Anise, uh, Ennio Morricone. Yeah. Like you can see that cause he's doing Western and horror yeah. together yeah. and it is really great. Now the soundtrack, when you listen to it, it's got all those kind of like some classic Motown, some classic R and B. I wear my sunglasses at night. Is on there. That makes it fun. No, That's yeah. not score. I understand. No. Yeah. But the score for Nope is my favorite score of the year. It, it was really, really good. It was good. Uh, also, if you are so inclined, on March seventh at the Oasis Whiskey Library at six thirty seven p.m., I'm doing an Oscar pre party where I'm playing all of my favorite songs featured in film, oh, and you wonderful. can also bring your favorite songs featured in film, and oh, I will play fun. them. Love what is it. the date of that? March 7th. That's yeah. the date of the Oscars? Hey, no, bet, it's the week of. So yeah. folks, the Oscars are on the 12th. This is Tuesday, okay, March 7th. M- make your reservations. I already have because if you don't, you will not get to see this is a oh, okay. This is a beer and a movie exclusive. I haven't told anybody this yet, All right. but there will be a whole red carpet outside. Oh, you can walk and stuff. How fun. Love it. That'll be fun. All right. Before we get to our number ones, let's go to the worst film of the year. All right. This is a <laughs> fun category. <laughs> is it? Is it? I think so. Because for the entire year, no, for the first part of the year, it was Studio 666, and it stayed there. <gasps> the worst? Worst. <laughs> what? <laughs> I almost put that as an honorable mention. That I, I really, it Horrible. was better than I expected. Actually, right. actually that could that could have made score. Because yeah. it's all original music for yeah. yeah, the right. Death yeah. Widow stuff is great. I it's bought great. that record. I know, I also own that record. It's fantastic. Then we saw The Bubble. And that became the worst film oh, of the year. That movie for fucking sucks. The entire year. And that's and that's the guy. Wait, I was but he's to, but he's gonna oh, replace it's, it's it with something. Eclipsed. It's but, been eclipsed. But a real quick, the bubble oh, was what I was talking about. Fucking whale. He's gonna say the whale. Say, I'm okay, cutting go, it go, out. Go, 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 it go, go, won't go, go, even go. hit air. Yeah. Nobody's gonna hear yeah. this. Dave, what he says Dave, right Dave, now, it's just gonna be. If Brendan Fraser wins Best Actor, I'm not gonna cry. And I told you how emotional the last listen. I told you how emotional the last scene was when her when his feet come off the ground and how I cried. Spoilers. That's not gonna be. Welcome to Beer in the Movie. That's not gonna be the worst film of the year. Come okay. On. Okay. All right. I was. I was honestly. I'm ready to walk out. All Dude, right. Okay. Let's mad. hear what you've eclipsed. When we spent half an episode on this atrocity, 
I called it Bam's most egregious lack of quality control of the compl- of the year. Huh. A completely unnecessary entry Pinocchio? in Disney's parade ah, of live action okay. adaptations of their most famous animated films. All right. And that we paired it with such a solid film. <laughs> it appeared on your top five just well, that's, demonstrated. I, I think it actually helped it to get on the top five shitty. when I could watch it back to back. I'm like, yeah. look, here is how an artist tells this story. Here is how industry with no soul tells this story. Here's how an industry with no soul tells a story. Disney's Pinocchio starring Tom Hanks was the worst movie of the last five years, three years. It was horrible. It was bad. Good good choice, Joe. Okay, you, you, wow, you really scared me though. I had heart palpitations there. Yeah, I'm so glad I didn't have to see that movie. Uh, It looked absolutely terrible. But what I was going to say before David almost burned his house down uh, <laughs> is that at, earlier when we were talking about talking about Linklater and Apollo 10 and a half and a filmmaker whose time has come and gone Judd oh, Apatow God. Judd Apatow oh I know it's over yeah the bubble the bubble is it's a nail bad. in a coffin if I've ever seen one it is it's so bad that I completely forgot about its existence until Anthony, when we were having this conversation maybe like a month or so ago on, on Discord, check out the Discord, Beer and Movie, the conversation continues or some shit like that. Yeah, um, you got it. It's on our website. Uh, our website. I don't do this anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anthony brought it up again and I was like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about that movie. Oh, and so like literally, like, and, and, and it's not even like, oh, I haven't thought about it in a while. I genuinely forgot that I had yeah. watched it. Yep. Like yep. full stop. And it, oh God, it's just so bad. I, well, can't, I can't even fathom it. I'm yup yupping because it's my worst film. That's your worst I mean, film. They, they, it, when I look back, I'm like, what film made me actually regret watching it? It was The Bubble. I mean, that, that was just like, there was no other film that even, even Disney's Pinocchio gave me no. uh, a point. Of com- <laughs> it, it at least provided a point of comparison for a great film to like kind of make that film's greatness resonate more. The Bubble just was it was just like shitting the bed with no redeeming qualities there's so it many was, apatow yeah. films i like so it's like he's a smart dude he's not sitting there watching these dailies and thinking he's on to something it's just bad i don't know he might be there's, i don't know he had a sense of humor he does have a sense of humor he had i don't know it's one of those things where at a his, certain his point, Carlin he, documentary was pretty good. That I was a good that. That, yeah. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, it, I feel like it's just one of those cases where at a certain point, people stop telling you no. People stop yeah. telling you the truth. And you really start thinking you're this. And like, they trust you. And they think, oh, if you genius. think this is great, this is going to be great. And yeah. they didn't. They yeah. couldn't see the failings. Yeah. It was a disappointment. Uh, uh, I've been writing down all of our picks. So before we go into our number one, well, I still I'll have do to a do my worst movie. Oh, fuck. What? No, you did your worst movie. No. I thought you said it was the bubble. No, we're going oh, this way. It's shit. not the bubble. I thought. I, okay, well, mine was the bubble. I know. What was I, yours? I, I, was, I was. I was just speaking as to how bad oh, the bubble okay, was okay. because Joe had brought it up. Carlos's okay. is the way. Wow, you tricked me. Okay. Uh, well, I I spilled my beans. Now you go. Why'd you spill your beans? <laughs> uh, mine is. Don't worry, darling. Oh, it was. Oh, I'm not going to argue with you too hard. And look, here's here's the thing about why it eclipses the bubble. One. It is a massive fall off from a director whose first movie was an absolutely well, yeah. iconic, instant fucking classic. It is 
the end of Harry Styles' acting career. <laughs> I, think. I don't I mean, know if that's true. Uh, dude, that, it might between be. that between that and between my policeman, that, he yeah. delivered two absolutely awful performances this year that nobody liked, mm. and I just can't imagine. how... But he could do more like very low dialogue roles, like in uh, Avengers. Uh, Dunkirk. Or he's gonna, yeah. Oh, Dunkirk. Yeah, yeah he was good. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, again, didn't have a lot to do. I mean, if it's just his pretty face on a screen, we fantastic. Can do that. We'll do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but the reason that I think that Don't Worry, Darling was so bad. Was because it was bad. Yeah. It wasn't as it wasn't as bad as the bubble, or the whale, or uh, I thought I was gonna get more of a rise out of day from that one. Um, but it, I think but you it got too tired. But yeah. it, it was it was one that took itself so seriously and yeah. really thought it was doing something big yeah. and deep and fucking like. It, it thought that movie thought it was going to be like a turning point of cinema or like a big flash in the pan, like, or like zeitgeist yeah, yeah. moment. And it's so profoundly silly and awful. Yeah. And it's not one of those ones that comes far enough around be, mm-hmm. because it's taking itself mm-hmm. so seriously. No, you're making a great point. And I, because of that, I can't think of a movie that shot for something so grand and fell so far short. Of yeah. Even even something like Disney's Pinocchio or The Bubble, like those movies weren't going for this huge well, grand true. aspiration. Neither of them were really know. thinking. Yeah. They were. I again will never watch Disney's Pinocchio, but I'm I'm sure both of that and The Bubble are so so bad and unwatchable. But they didn't have those wildly like grandiose aspirations that make it just that much worse that it didn't hit. Yeah. Yeah. And so don't worry, darling. I'm not arguing. Yeah. That, that, that's a, that's a solid choice. Even if I, I didn't feel like it quite made the worst film, but, but it's up there. Um, well, when it comes to more positive things, right, we're back to talking about our favorite beers of the year. Give, at this give your point. three and two. Number one. So you, if you remember, Brewery Vivant's Escoffier Breta Ale, that was uh, from episode 222. That was my number three. My number two was Mass Landing Brewing Company's Beachfront Property. That was back on episode 202. And right after that one, we did Live Oak Brewing's pre-war pills and that was my number one this is a exactly classic 2022 david gurney pick thank yeah. you thank you I mean, vintage it's, it's where two out of three are pilsners yeah. it, they are two out of three are pilsners and this one in particular has a little bit more body to it a little bit more heft they use the corn in there uh it's so it's got a little sweetness it mm. it's Meanwhile, brewing in Austin does a great blue corn. Pilsner. And I had already decided this, but then I was up in Austin last week, and I picked up a six pack while I was there, and I was drinking that. Reaffirmed. Uh, and it just it was drank like, it yeah, alone absolutely. naked in the hotel room. <laughs> Solidified. This is one of the greatest. So Live Oak, pre-war pills. I still haven't had their half. So oh my god, that's a that's a sin because that's a I great know. beer. We don't but get yeah, it here. Yeah. All right, I had as my great pick. I remember that episode was fantastic. Uh, I had the Lost 40 Trash Panda IPA as my number three. I had the Speedway Stout Alesmith, which I know is a cheat, as my number two. But my number one beer uh, of the year, when we look at the breweries that we've enjoyed most, you know, in the data, tied for sixth place is Fort Worth's Martin House Brewing Company. Mm, yep. And we we've, had some good stuff from We've them. had seven of their beers. I mean, we're big fans of their, of their stuff. In early 2022, episode 177, alongside Don't Look Up, we enjoyed their Astronaut Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. It was a thick 12% Imperial Stout with flaked coconut. It was very coconut heavy. 
It's like a Mounds bar in a glass. I still taste it in my dreams. <laughs> I, you will remember, even, David, about even. an hour and a half before the episode, I came over and dropped off this Black Ops for you to put it into the refrigerator. I went yeah. over to Tapology. Yeah. On tap, somehow, the astronaut apocalypse. No, now, really? They, they were in the middle of cleaning their lines, which I'm going to talk about in After Hours. Okay. I watched it happening. Good for you. Uh, tapology. But they gave me a little taste just as good as I remember. Ooh, nice. Today, Love of all things, like it all kind of came crazy. together. Yeah. yeah, cool. My number one was the Weathered Souls Black is Beautiful that we had. Ah, uh, the yeah. one that uh, wasn't a collaboration. Right, it was just uh, It was just them, and it, it was... started the whole thing. They did start the whole thing. Um, and it was, you know, it was the... It was the nice bottle wax cap, and it had all the names on the back. Uh, George Floyd, Sandra Bland, like the whole back was just like a tribute to all of these people. And I don't remember off the top of my head, all of the adjuncts. Cause it has been probably over a year since we've had it. If yeah. not close to it, mm-hmm. but of all the, we had so many of those black is beautiful beers and there were a lot of them that were really good. And then we had that one from them specifically. That was disgusting. Yeah. And I remember, and that was the, the one that they collaborated yes. with Isla. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then that one was just so good. It yeah. was just like a perfectly executed pastry stout that was just, I, I think about it all the time. Yeah. And I, I kept the bottle <laughs> for like, I probably find, and I think I might still have it actually. Mm-hmm. That was. Find I, it under his pillow. <laughs> it, right. it, was, it, it wasn't even relegated to my studio. It was on the counter of my kitchen like the whole time. And I would just look at it every now and then and be like, man. To have that beer again. It was so good. I loved it. I'm happy for you. Yeah. All right. It all comes down to this. It all comes down to this. The number one movie of the year. Number number one movie of the year. Well. Can I guess? Yeah. Batman. Yeah. Big time. Wow. Big time. Wow. Uh... I, I had more of a build up to it than that. I was going to sing sorry. a song. I was going to talk about how I have the uh, same taste in film as a 17 year old girl, uh, which is apparently true. But I, I felt this in my bones, yeah. right? That this was my number one movie, but I hadn't seen it since the last time I saw it in the theater. Uh-huh. Maybe my first time I saw it. I don't remember if I went and saw it once or twice, but uh and so one day, Kylie and I were sitting there on the couch. I think it was a Sunday or something like that. And I was like, you know what I really want to watch? And she was like, what? And I was like, I want to watch The Batman. It's on HBO Max. Like, uh, are you down? And Because it's a little longer film, you know? Yeah. And she was like, oh, yeah, it's been a while. And I was like, yeah, I, I think so, too. And, like, I just – I I'm pretty sure it's as good as I remember. I don't know. But like, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to find out what this what – this, after having not seen it in so long, how I'm going to feel about it. And it's so good. It's so – fucking good it is good. and i just like i just don't get it like the oscars fucked us <laughs> by not giving them cinematography because the cinematography it, and, and, and honestly so it, it could have been in there instead of top gun it's, or Avatar. the cinematography yeah. is better than top gun for sure yeah. if, if we're talking well, about just the art of moving images not special because the, the cinematography in top yeah. gun is special effects like well, that's the part that's okay, good about okay it. the Shot composition, the use of colors, yeah. every like all of the just like general tone, the production design, it's yeah, so yeah. so good, yeah. And and it's one of those movies that 
is it best picture? Probably not. Is it best director? Probably not. Is there anyone in there that really deserves a best actor or best actress nom? Also probably not. But it's a movie that all, the sum of its Everything parts comes together. just come together so per- John Turturro, Zoe Kravitz, Robert Pattinson, fucking um, what's what's Gollum's name again? Um, Andy Serkis. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright. I mean, the, Colin Farrell, as we said earlier. I mean, there's just so many good, if the, not great, the reveal of the flying bat suit was fantastic. Yeah, the bat, and, there, the and there's Batmobile reveal. It was a great fantastic. film, and there's and there's so much of that practical stuff. The where upside it's like, down, him walking to the car. Yeah, the, yeah, that was incredible. And I um, I think if if my general sort of deadening to superhero films has done it a disservice that is a sad thing because i think it kind of has i like and there, i can see that there i'm so burnt out on superhero films at this point there is a part of me that puts that automatically into a lower category but it which was I, a great film which i totally understand and w- one thing i have to acknowledge with this pick is my inherent biasy biases mm-hmm. towards this movie the multiple there's three one i'm all in on robert pattinson we know just fully invested (laughs) uh number two batman has always been my favorite Mm -hmm. superhero my favorite comic entity right i mean i will still sit through 1997 batman and robin yeah (laughs) are you anticipating Um, anything higher currently than pattinson in bong joon ho's next movie that's a great question i cannot wait but but three my yeah. th- my third and final like really serious bias towards this movie is that I have been pitching this movie for like ten years. Oh. Any time the topic of Batman, like since The Dark Knight Rises, when Nolan's thing was over and it was mm-hmm. like, what's next? What are they gonna do? Any time this conversation came up in the shop or with friends, when I was working at a comic store, whatever it was, I always, always, always was like. I need a gritty film noir, just like put the world's greatest detective up top, front and center. Like, let's mm-hmm. make that what Batman's about, not about, you know, fighting aliens like in Batman versus or whatever the fuck. Yeah. You know, let's give me a really gritty mob detective story. And that's exactly and what they it. did. You and they fucking it. executed it even better than I could have imagined. Well, Carlos, we failed because we were going to recap your top four, you know, the first four before we reveal. Oh, that's my bad. No, no, I was going to do it. 3,000 uh, 3, 3, years, years long in a million men. Number four, Triangle of Sadness. Mm-hmm. Number three, Pearl. Number two, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And then Batman. Bada yeah, bing, bada Batman. boom. Yeah. All right. Now, David, you said Pinocchio. Yes. The Whale. Yes. Women Talking. Yes. After Sun. What could possibly be well, your favorite film of the year? I am nothing else if not a man of my word. And when I s- declared on episode 190 that this will be my favorite film of 2022, well before we had even hit the halfway point in 2022, uh, everything everywhere all at once has remained in that position. It is... That's high praise. It, it, it is a marvel of filmmaking. It, it it's It's one of those... I mean, Carlos already said it when he was talking about it as his number two selection. Um, this is a film that shouldn't work as well as it does. It, on paper, it doesn't even sound as interesting. It sounds confusing and crazy. And what is it? And yet, it does work perfectly. And there's so many lovely, absurd jokes in there. There's so many great performances in there. Michelle Yeoh, Kehoe Kwan. 
the uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. It's just so exciting to see this film get embraced in the way it has been too. I mean, I, I hear, I know there's a little backlash. I know that there are people out there who are saying it's not all that. And, and I get that kind of reaction, but then I just go automatically back to my experience sitting in the cinema watching it the first time and then going back for a second time just a few days later. And I remember this, this was the film that definitely reminded me and solidified for me just how important it was to go see movies in the theater and, and, and how much that experience was a meaningful experience. Everything, everywhere, all at once. If you haven't seen it already and you're listening to this episode, I don't know why. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. But, but if you have, you know why I'm saying that this film is number one. No surprises, <laughs> but very eloquent and uh, emotionally delivered. Hmm. Here's my number one film of the year. My esteemed co-host, David Gurney. Now, I'm not saying that he broke a rule, because I'm not sure if he did, but I do remember Carlos and I traded a glance. Like, what the fuck is he doing? This is suspect behavior. <laughs> that back in April, he said, this is going to be my favorite film of the year. And I, I guess whether or not he broke a rule will be debated for the rest of Bam's existence. But he was right. <laughs> The best movie of 2022 is Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I don't have much to add to that because you did it so well. Mm. Two out of three. Yeah. yeah. And you had it at a number two spot. Pretty close. Yeah. We did that. Like our whole reign together, Parasite was the number one across the board. That's right. Uh, I don't have the other data in front of well, me. Well, there, there's certain films that just come up and it's just, it, you have to sit back and kind of say, look, they did, and Bong did that with uh, Parasite for sure yeah. he, he sort of wowed us all and I think the Daniels did it with this one I mean th this is th this is something amazing that they pulled off and that they pulled all the different pieces together that they did from performance to this idea of the meta or multiverse that was sort of getting I feel like turned bit. into this kind of dead right. beating like it, this well, Doctor uh, Strange killed the fuck out of that whole right, right. Yeah. so like, poorly it, done you know okay let's let Marvel just kill this thing no 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 there's something cool here there's something crazy it here. can be there's, done there's something really meaningful and yeah. deep here if we do it the right way and they did laundry and taxes yeah. will forever be like <laughs> also is one it, of the most romantic things anybody's ever said to anybody. Yeah. Is it some kind of evidence that the guys and girls that you sit around and hang out and talk films with also alter or 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 shape oh, they sculpt your yeah. opinion yeah. because yeah. we talk about everything everywhere all at once since April and I mean but but on top of that I could go into as much elaborate detail about why it deserves a yeah. spot don't need to you did a good job yeah. Okay, can I, before we get into the beer, I know we're pretty much yeah, wrapping yeah. up with the segment, but I just have a question, because I, I haven't listened to the episode yet, because I just watched it. All Quiet on the Western Front yeah. didn't make anyone's top five. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was really exactly close. It was, it was really list. close for me. It was a really solid film. I, it's it, really It was something good. that I thought about mentioning as an honorable mention. It's I really I don't good. think it, and it just won the BAFTAs. It's, it it it's just, seems. It, I, know it's, I know it's being poised as like a front runner in that certainly isn't any part like i i went i don't into think it. it's gonna win i don't think it's gonna I don't win, think it'll win oscars but i think it'll win some i think it'll win well best, no best picture oscars, best yeah. uh uh international picture oh one i think for sure i think it'll probably win some of the technical stuff but it i should. but i don't think it's gonna win best picture but i 
I went into it knowing that it would be the film that does win Best Picture if there's just kind of like that whole backlash against the year-long yeah. frontrunner yeah. because of these yeah. BAFTA wins and because of the tide turning. Right. But it's also going to be one of those decisions, I think, that we go, come on, guys. The, the, if The best way that the Oscar could work is if the Oscar voters were forced to not watch any films, be forced to watch all five, and then say, you vote without talking 10, to yeah. anybody yeah. else. Yeah, 10, no. yeah. I just... Ten things. I went into it thinking like, okay, another war movie, fine. I know it's supposed to be about how terrible things were, but like, duh, like, you know. <laughs> I, and, and, right. and so I, I, I really went in kind of skeptical to it, but then I'm watching it and I'm like, there's like a cyclical nature to the violence and the way it's depicted and like the battles that I found really interesting and like a very compelling commentary about the nature of war. And then there's also this like, a physical manifestation of like the dehumanizing nature of war yeah. that shows up in like how in like his most terrible, darkest, downtrodden moments, he's like caked in mud to a point where he looks like fucking bootstrap Bill from Pirates of the Caribbean, where he's got all the barnacles on it. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just like caked in mud, he and he, like he doesn't look hu- he doesn't look human right. anymore. You know what I mean? And so right. it's like. All of those things and like how beautiful a lot of the shots are and like the way that it's still when it needs to be still and it's like visceral when it needs to be visceral. I was like oddly kind of taken with yeah. how well it when was When the done. tanks go over that trench. Dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's – And it's, it's a great it's film. It's crazy. Filmmaking. And it's I crazy. think – Yeah. They, they, no, you're, you're right. It, it, uh, it, it definitely des- deserves some mention. I'm glad you brought it up. It is master. Yeah. If I was an Oscar voter and I had two films to choose from, this or Elvis, I'd vote for Elvis though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, that not kidding. is – Let's, that was on the list I, of worst movies of the year. It's fucking awful. I wouldn't. I wouldn't it's do awful. that choice. But uh, <laughs> what do we think about the beer, though? Yeah, it's a good question. I, um, I, fantastic IPA. Now, looking at the can, Norwegian IPA. Is that real? What does that mean? Yeah. Well, so I, I'm gonna. I did look it up as we were talking. So it's seven percent. Okay. And as they I describe felt, it, I felt that this just came out a couple weeks ago. So that's why there's not a whole lot of information online about it, but. They describe this Norwegian hazy IPA is brewed with Scandinavian barley and okay. oats. Kvek, that's K-V-E-I-K. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I've, I've seen that before. Kvek yeast and a blend of Galaxy, Strata, and Cryo Simcoe hops that okay. provide quite the hop hammer. Say it again, but slow. Please don't smash your glass after you scream. I'll have another. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those sort of hot-packed, but which IPAs are, right? I mean, that, that's not a surprise. Um, I, I like this a lot. I do, too. I think, you know, of all hazies, it's maybe not my favorite. It, I think it does have a little bit more of a bitterness on the back end than, than some hazies do. So, I'll, you know, I'll put that out there. It's not as juicy on the front as some hazies are. But I kind of appreciate that it's a, it's a different... I think it's approach more, to the hazy. Yeah, it's more. It's a nice balance between what we think of as a hazy and what we think of as an IPA. Yeah, because I feel like at that point, at this point in time, they become different things. Right. Like, but I, I think they found. I think you're right. They balance. found a good balance. I kind of yeah. I kind of like that bitterness on the back end. It's not too overwhelming. Yeah. And as longtime listeners of this podcast will know, I'm not a big West Coast IPA guy. I'm not a big hop right bitter right fucking in like crystal clear ipa like i just can't i need a little more of the floral i need a little more of the sweetness in my ipa but that being said 
the bitterness on the back end is nice. nice. I enjoyed it. Well, are we are we wrapped up here? Yeah, you, that, you, can, that, you can you can you can play is, us is out here. This after hours is going to be a, a fantastic. I hope so. I think it's going to be a, a good after hours. So. Ah, I think I deleted my. <laughs> I think I deleted my BAM folder on my phone Aww. that has. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's see, let's see. Wait, Cut wait, this wait, out. Wait. Uh, no, I can do it off top. He's of got head. it. He's got um, it. Well, you know, the great thing about this podcast is that the conversation doesn't end on the podcast ends. It continues on all of your favorite social media sites. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram.com slash Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, Beer and Movie podcast.com is our home base where you can uh-huh. find all things beer in a movie including these great curated selections of episodes that joe puts together he's always killing it on that <laughs> but you can also find a link to our t public store where you can buy beer in a movie merch mugs shirts the whole thing it's all there uh you can find a link to our discord where there's always all sorts of stuff going on People are traveling. They're trying different beers from different places. They're giving us the scoop on it, giving us their real-time reviews. We're talking movies that aren't covered on the show, TV shows. I've got a lot to say about legacy highbrow television right now. (laughs) David and I had a long conversation about The Wire the other day. Um, So the Discord is a ton of fun. Get in there absolutely free. Everyone is having a great time there. And then Beer and a Movie or Patreon.com slash Beer and a Movie Podcast is where you can financially support the show. Really helps us out in procuring these beers, keeping the audio quality top notch, all of that kind of stuff. Patreon.com slash Beer and a Movie Podcast. Again, $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week. And we're going to go absolutely dummy in this week's uh, after hours episode because it's been a hot minute since I've been here. So just you wait. Uh, lots to say, lots more about. Uh, maybe some of the honorable mentions that we just glossed over, maybe some movies that we didn't discuss. Um, I have some things to say about the theatrical experience Um, and just, you know, general tomfoolery. Yeah. Always. Um, If you're listening to this on Apple podcast, rate, review and subscribe, make the algorithm do what it do so that more people can see our content. We're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, you're going to give us that five star rating, but please leave a written review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. I love that you keep doing the algorithm, do what it do thing. It's a profoundly (laughs) stupid thing to say. (laughs) But it's accurate. It's accurate. It is. Um, But this has been another uh, just absolutely jam packed episode of beer in a movie. Until next time. It's been an amazing journey. An incredible fight to be here today, but I think it's worth it.